Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What it do, Dolphins, and welcome into the Thursday, October the 3rd edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, it's all about the 2020 offseason looking ahead. No game to preview this week as the Dolphins are on the bye, so we're talking about the best option at each position in free agency for your Miami Dolphins and some clarification on Miami's preferred quarterbacks in this upcoming draft class. Lots of rumors out there. I'll tell you what I know. Before any of that, though, I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your show from. Go ahead and leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at Wingfield NFL. The show is at LockedOnFins. We'll follow you back. Check out LockedOnDolphins.com because the content we're talking about today is going to be detailed even more in depth up on LOD.com. And I would like to preserve as much time as we can to get into that topic today. So let's go ahead and jump right in. That's another Miami Dolphins. Before we get into the meet, I want to talk about the practice on Wednesday as the Dolphins padded it up and went full scale in practice. Just an absolutely brutal thing to do on the bye week. Very uncommon, very Dan Campbell-esque. It's almost military-like at this point. They are really going to weed these guys out that don't fit and find out who is the mentally toughest of the bunch and keep them going forward. And this is something we talked about a few weeks back here on the podcast, how there's a certain type of player, a certain type of character, a certain type of toughness that Brian Flores wants on his roster, and that's the message. You may not like it, you may not agree with it, but you have to commend the consistency of that message. They've done the things they've told us they wanted to do. Lots of start streaks, for instance, on the offensive linemen. They required some length, long arms, and wingspans, adhering to their own prototypes they established. And of course, that bleeds over into the free agency draft and off-season plans we're going to talk about here on today's podcast. The practices are going to be difficult. The games are supposed to be more fun. That's a college atmosphere. It works its way into the pros as well. But this season is all about establishing that foundation foundation of the program and setting expectations for how things will be going forward. And on the topic of the prototype, that was the theme of the article, again, up on LockedOnDolphins.com. And the topic we're using for today's podcast, free agent targets by position for the 2020 Miami Dolphins. So if you all will thumb forward to the section of your playbook tracking this article, I started it off in the lead with the quote from Chris Greer on September 17th, where he says, quote, we can do anything we want. Whether it's free agency or the draft, we've positioned ourselves where we can do anything or get whatever player we feel that will help us as soon as possible. And that message has been consistent all offseason, and that's the part of this entire thing that I like. They talked about draft picks, about getting the right people in the building, competitive toughness. The entire message has been consistent, and even though they didn't want to trade guys like Laramie Tunzel and Minka Fitzpatrick, they capitalized on value that was presented to them by way of multiple premium draft picks, and now with Minka and the Steelers, who, by the way, are probably going to be 1-6 when the Dolphins travel there for that Monday night football game. They're going to get multiple more premium picks out of that spot, most likely, if they trade down, which is probably the plan at this point. They talked about building aggressively, and that means going into free agency and spending on the open market, quote, 
We're not going to sit here on a bunch of money or anything, end quote. And that pile of money accounts for roughly $150 million of fun coupons if you want to go the Leonardo DiCaprio route in Wolf of Wall Street or the way I prefer it, lying on the bed of cash like Bill Burr and Lavelle Crawford in Breaking Bad. But the point remains the same. They are going to completely overhaul this roster, both through free agency and the draft next season. So let's go ahead and jump into the article. A lot of the data I provided in here comes from profootballfocus.com. Sign up with them today. They do fantastic work. At quarterback, nobody. Because whether it's Ryan Fitzpatrick or Josh Rosen, let's just bring the same one back next year and have that guy mentor the rookie quarterback. Now that's where you have to make a decision. Is the mentorship more important to you or is the actual production and cost more important? Because Rosen will probably give you more production as a backup and he gives you more long-term possibilities and he's way cheaper but Ryan Fitzpatrick knows this offense better he knows the league better it's a very interesting dichotomy I'll be curious to see what they do my ideal option as you guys know is to trade Rosen get that draft pick back and then go forward next year with the rookie and Ryan Fitzpatrick and just go in with all that all in at tailback, I love this one so much, and you guys will too when you see the article up on LOD. Austin Eckler, he's my top option at running back. You can probably get him around the $5 million per year range. That's what Deion Lewis and Duke Johnson got. And if you look at running back salaries, there's a big drop-off after the elite guys, and Eckler's not going to work his way into that elite status. And up on the article, I gave you the position, the player, their former team, what their previous contract was, their market value, and why they might be available. And the reason Eckler could be available, now they might choose to sign him and say goodbye to Melvin Gordon, but Melvin Gordon coming back could work its way into a new contract, and that's why I think Eckler could possibly be available, and if he is, the Dolphins should pursue him hard. In the video clip I shared in the article on LOD.com, I show you two examples in the passing game. One, a screenplay where he basically throws a dummy block in pass protection, shows his numbers to the quarterback, and then makes a 55-yard play that is just exceptional. He's built low to the ground, great contact balance, willing to stick his face in the fan and pass protection, and he catches the ball so smoothly. The more important video, or clip in that video, I should say, is him flexing out wide on a safety and running a hitch and go and just smoking him. Those are the exact same things they want to do in this Dolphins offense. Right now, he catches 96% of his passes. He has six touchdowns, and he averages 6.13 yards per touch through four games this season. He's a three-time academic All-American in college, and his testing numbers, the physical traits, are off the charts for him. So he fits everything this team wants to be at the tailback position. I think it's a big need. I would go very hard after Austin Eckler just like I would go very hard for any delivery service that's going to bring food right to my door. And that's why I'm here to tell you guys about DoorDash. Long day at work, still stuck in the office, open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered right to you wherever you are. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code Locked on. And now that you've got your food, you're ready to hang out for the night, why not throw some cold hard cash down on a football game? Because I don't know about you guys, but for me, a game is 10 times more exciting when I'm putting my money on it. Sometimes it's a gut feeling. Sometimes you're just betting on your team to win. Regardless, whether you've been betting for years or you're ready to play for the first time, my bookie is the best bet you'll make 
all season long. From teasers to fantasy points on individual players to parlays. For instance, if you like a couple of big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you multiply games together for a much bigger payout. Any of those bets you can find on MyBookie. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to MyBookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. Between football season, the baseball playoffs, and the start of NBA and NHL seasons, it's time to get off the sideline and get into action. If you really want to support your team this season and stand behind your words, don't just sit on the sidelines. Get in the game with mybookie.ag. And if you join right now, mybookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code Locked On to activate that offer. That's promo code Locked On to double your cash today. Visit mybookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. I don't believe in any sort of divine intervention or anything of that sort, but I had a lot of work to get done on Wednesday, and thankfully for me, my classes were canceled, so I was able to sit at my house all day long and get this work done. About six hours went into this project, so I hope you guys check it out up on LockedOnDolphins.com. And with that, let's go ahead and jump right back into the article and talk about the ideal free agents at every position for the Dolphins this offseason. Quarterback didn't have one. Running back Austin Eckler at receiver. You guys are going to hate this. I know you are. But I'm going to go ahead and talk about Emmanuel Sanders from the Broncos for a second. Now, he is getting paid $10.25 bucks this year year. That's kind of a lot. I want to see if maybe he would take a Tyler Boyd type of short-term deal, two or three years, 10 million per. That's about where going rate for receivers are in that slot. Guys that aren't ultra productive, but are still very good receivers. That's the neighborhood you're talking about. Why would he leave Denver? Because they're kind of a mess and don't have the future of the Dolphins right now. Now he turns 33 years old in March, but you're going to have to find some technicians of route runners in this offense, especially to run the inside routes and exploit linebackers and zone coverage that defenses are going to throw at this offense. I still believe that Albert Wilson gets cut this offseason. Jakeem Grant has not lived up to the hype yet in his career. And so I want a polished veteran that can give my rookie quarterback a security blanket inside and underneath. And that's who Emmanuel Sanders is, especially working inside Devontae Parker and Preston Williams, the two trees on the outside, who I think could have long-term careers here if things continue to go this way. But you need someone to win that inside route with a two-way go, just like Julian Edelman does all the time for the Patriots. And they're going to be seamless between 12 and 11 personnel where you can flex in flex out rather and go in line and from that look Emmanuel Sanders can run multiple positions he can run that Haas wide juke play that basically won the Patriots the Super Bowl and he can create space and separation inside instantly for you he is a hell of a technician of a route runner go check out the video on the article I showed you a couple of plays where he just smokes dudes it's fun to watch he's catching two-thirds of his targets this year for 13 yards per reception and his 2.0 four yards per route run mark ranks 21st among receivers this year who have 20 or more targets so Emmanuel Sanders two or three year deal finish your career here and maybe cap it off with a Super Bowl when this team is rebuilt in three years at tight end not a lot of good options out there I could have gone Eric Ebron but I chose to go for his teammate in Indianapolis Mo Ali Cox and a big reason for this I think that Durham or that Mike Kosicki rather is going to have a big role on this team going forward I talked about the flexibility of 11 and 12 personnel 
using two tight ends, but being able to flex out into a three receiver set because your tight end like Gasicki can match up outside. I think they want to handcuff him with inline blockers that can make that seamless nature of the offense possible. Durham Smythe might be that guy, but if he's not, Mo Ali Cox can be, and he's going to have to get out of Indianapolis because they love Jack Doyle. They might re-sign Eric Ebron. I think he probably falls in the range of like Darren Fells' contract with the Texans for one and a half million bucks. So he's cheap and he can get you an inline blocker. He's 270 pounds. He's the 16th graded run blocker among all tight ends right now and the 8th graded pass blocker among tight ends. He is the perfect juxtaposition to Mike Kosicki and that's what this offense needs. And now here is the one guy that I really don't feel that confident about, even though I put him in the article and it's the offensive tackle position. I just don't really buy into the Jack Conklin hype. I think he's going to get way overpaid and not going to give you nearly the production of what his contract would say. So I went the cheap route and tried the developmental route. I want to get this coaching staff to get this guy up to speed. I'm talking about the Seattle Seahawks' George Fant. This guy played basketball in college. He was a convert. He's pretty much only playing sixth offensive lineman, the guy that comes into the game eligible this season behind Dwayne Brown and Jermaine Afedi. And it is concerning that he can't beat out Afedi because he's pretty bad but if you look at the contract availability here you could probably get him for a cheap type of DJ Fluker deal maybe three million bucks a year to come in and compete for a starting job if he loses it he can be your swing tackle he's big he's long he's athletic he has the profile to be coached and to be groomed into a dominant type of tackle I don't know if he'll get there, but maybe this is the kind of guy where you can kind of take someone else's trash and develop him with your coaching staff. Again, the Patriot way, like with Taco Charlton or with guys maybe like Robert Kim DJ, they're trying to get something out of. If you can go get George Fant on the cheap and develop him, a guy that's played football only for four years now, maybe you make it work. Maybe he's your left tackle. He's played both positions. So at the very worst, maybe he's a swing tackle, but that wide wingspan, the athleticism, the fact that he ran a 4.83 40 yard dash and jumped 37 inches in the vertical. He's intriguing, but he's a ball of clay. His tape is not that good. On the interior of the offensive line, Washington's Brandon Scherf. It's between him and Joe Tooney. Whichever one doesn't get re-signed, I want that guy. Hopefully it happens with one of them. This guy's going to cost you the biggest guard contract in football. Just be prepared for that. 14 million bucks a year like Zach Martin gets. And the reason why he might be available is simply put, Dan Snyder. Guys do not want to play for Washington anymore. It's not an attractive place to be because it's an absolute shit show of an organization. And that sounds funny coming from a Dolphins fan, but it's true. This Dolphins team has a future. Washington really right now has almost nothing. But the reports are that Washington has offered him a contract, but he's just not ready to make that to put the pen to paper and make that a long-term thing. If he shakes three, he's one of the best run-blocking right guards in all of the National Football League. Check out the video in the article. He steamrolls Landon Collins on a pole concept where he gets out into space. The injury concerns are starting to mount a little bit. Now, he only missed two games his first three years of his career. Last year, he tore a peck, which cost him eight games. He said it was a fluke, but he's missed one game this year with an ankle sprain. I just want to see him give you 15 games this year now that he's already missed the one. I want to get him back to 900, 1,000 snaps because if he doesn't do that, I'm not willing to give him 14 million bucks a year. So that bears a lot of watching, but still the type of mentality this team wants to be road grading, run blocking, what we saw in the first quarter of the game on Sunday against the Chargers, Isaiah Prince, Evan Bame doing some work in the running game. That's the idea. That's the thought. He's not the best pass blocker, but he's good. Not the best, but he's good, but he's very good at run blocking. And if you get a quarterback like Tua who can move off his spot and help mitigate pass protection issues, 
then give me all the run blockers and just let him do the stuff he does best and get free of pressure. On the defensive side of the football, a lot more names on this side as well. There's This right now is a loaded free agent class. We'll see what happens. Again, I'm not going to be able to sign all these guys, obviously. I'm just pointing out some scheme fits and guys that make sense and budget-wise all kind of fit into the plan here. And I'm going to go with an unknown player off the edge from the Carolina Panthers, F.A. Obata. He came over from the International Pathway Program, which if you guys don't know about Henry Hodgson of NFL Media, he runs that entire thing. He did the podcast twice, I believe, the last couple years here on Locked on Dolphins. Really cool guy, big time Dolphins fan, but he loves F.A. Obata. He's one of the guys that helped get him over here. He had a big impact last season. Hasn't done much this year. He's been a backup, only played about 70 snaps or so, but you can probably get him for around the Barkevious Mingo deal, like three and a half million bucks per year. And again, kind of like George Fant, try to take advantage of other programs developing these guys and giving up on them and put them into your system, into your scheme and give them to your coaches and develop them even further and turn them into players. He's six foot six, 265. He has the long arms and the size to take on the outside gap in the running game, to dent the edge in the running game, but also the explosiveness to win the one-on-one pass rush situations. He has 35 and five eighth inch arms, by the way, pass rush, hard to say. But he plays with the long arms and heavy hands that Patrick Graham and Marion Hobby, the defensive line coach and defensive coordinator here in Miami, they prefer that. He's off to a slow start, but I think that he can give you exactly what you want in terms of the scheme fit. And he's not going to cost you a lot like Jadivian Clowney would be. Who is the real prize here? But I'm trying to save some money. And I think the edge position is where I can do it and spend more money elsewhere, like in the secondary, spoiler alert coming up, as well as on the offensive side of the football to get this damn thing fixed. And kicking inside on the defensive line for the interior, I'm going after Patriot Adam Butler, who I suspect they might make an attempt to re-sign him because, frankly, he's really damn good. He's an undrafted free agent three years ago. I'm talking about maybe a $5 million per year type of contract like Malcolm Brown, another former Patriot got from the Saints this offseason. There's just talent and production all over that defense, and they like to let guys walk, get the comp pick, and replace them accordingly. So maybe the Dolphins can get a guy who's already built to play play in this exact scheme. That's why I like him. He checks pretty much every box you want for this scheme and this defense, especially on the inside. He has some of the quickest feet you'll see for a large man of his size. He didn't run the fastest 40, but he did have a 7.5 second three cone drill, which if he was at the combine, he wasn't invited, would have been the second best time in 2017 in Indianapolis. He has a pressure every 10 pass rush snaps this season from the interior. That's ridiculous. And nearly a run stop every other running down. Half of his plays, he's making an impact against the run. 10% against the pass. That's really the production you're looking for here at this position. Sud package interior guy, maybe a rotational run defense guy. He can give you 400, 500, 600 snaps a year. You can pay him 5 million bucks and really help your defensive line. It would also help free up Christian Wilkins as this guy and Devon Godshaw can kind of rotate and stay fresh. And then from there, you can use Wilkins in more of a rotational and more of a varietal role that really suits his game well. Okay, we still have a linebacker, a cornerback, and a safety. And quite frankly, they're three of my favorite guys on this entire list. We'll talk about them next. And I'll give you guys the information that I have personally. Yeah, believe it or not, I have a lot of connections on this organization, despite what some folks will tell you. I'll tell you what I know about Tua, Jordan Love, and the quarterbacks here next. Locked on Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked on Fins. This kind of feels like the theme for the podcast, The Rest. 
of this season as we try to get forward to the other side where things hopefully get better. The Andy Dufresne quote I've used so many times is so applicable here because we do have to climb through 50 feet of crap, or is it 500? I can't remember. 500 feet of crap to get through to the other side and come out smelling fresh on the other side. And that's what this approach is all about here. On the article up on LockedOnDolphins.com, we talked about the free agent targets all the way on the offense and the defensive line. But now let's go ahead and talk about a linebacker. I'm sure you guys know who he is. I've talked about him a lot the last couple of weeks. He is Kyler Fackrell, the Green Bay Packers outside linebacker. And I saw a lot of tweets when I mentioned this during the Packers-Eagles game last Thursday that he's a backup, dude. Why do we want him? Well, the reason he's a backup is because Green Bay has three outside linebackers in that system, in that scheme. They're all top 16 pay rate for their position. Preston Smith, Sedarius Smith, and of course, Rashawn Gary, their first round rookie. And Kyle Fackrell has been relegated from a 60% snap taker to 30%. And that's why you might be able to get him for what the Giants got Marcus Golden, right under 4 million bucks per year, a long-term contract, the perfect guy to come in and implement the scheme you want to run because one, he's long. He's like Kyle Van Noy in that way. He can use his arms to lock out and disengage and set the edge, but he's also very well disciplined and his gap lane, his rush lanes, I should say, and his gap integrity and finding a way off that edge into the quarterback. He can stunt inside. He can loop. He can do all those things you want to do in this scheme. And you go back to last season, he had 23 quarterback pressures, but 10 and a half of those were sacks. So definitely weighted more towards the more important issue. He makes tackles in the running game. He does miss a few tackles, but he is the quintessential guy off the edge to fill this defensive position. He could help you bring that 3-3-5 bear defense that the Packers always run and Patrick Graham implemented last year when he was the linebackers coach in Green Bay so he knows Fackrell I think it's a really easy transition to bring him to Miami check out the video lots of good looks for the stuff they want to do in this defense for Kyler Fackrell and I really promised myself I wasn't going to turn into a Minka Fitzpatrick hater. I just don't like when people do that when a guy leaves your team and all of a sudden you start talking crap about him but Byron Jones is the player that Minka Fitzpatrick was supposed to be in that this guy transitioned from safety down to cornerback. You go back two years ago and he played 396 snaps as a free safety, but he also had almost as many reps. I think it was 313 snaps down in the box or in the slot. And now he is exclusively a perimeter corner. So he can literally play every position that's not on the defensive line in this defense and he currently ranks 19th in yards per coverage snap among all cornerbacks. He's allowing only half the passes thrown his direction to go complete for just 5.5 yards per pass. He has four stops in the running game. You can see his safety influence coming down and helping in the running game. Fits the prototype with the length, the long speed, the agility, and the ability to move all over the formation. And the reason he might get out of Dallas is because of all the contracts they owe, guys. They just paid Zeke. They paid Jalen Smith. They paid Lyle Collins. They're going to have to pay Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper. You hope, maybe, that Byron Jones can shake free from that. He's coming off of his rookie contract, so you know he's going to want to get paid. And I'm thinking A.J. Boye's deal around $13.5 bucks per year for this versatile Swiss Army knife. 
And then finally, at safety, Von Bell of the New Orleans Saints. He can be the perfect complement to a guy like Byron Jones. If he does go back and plays free high or single high free safety, this guy is Patrick Chung in a nutshell. He is on a second round rookie deal right now, about one million bucks per year. You're going to have to up that big time. I went after Malcolm Jenkins and Tony Jefferson's contracts at eight and a half million dollars per year. And the reason I think he might be available is the same reason as the Cowboys. Just too many mouths to feed on that team as far as big contracts go. They're going to have Alvin Kamara coming up. They just paid Michael Thomas. Drew Brees cost you an arm and a leg every single year. And you can essentially get out of the Rashad Jones contract and turn around and hand the damn thing to Von Bell, but even for cheaper. And he is that Patrick Chung role in this defense. The video I showed shows a clip of him lining up inside the outside edge player, Cameron Jordan. That's what Patrick Chung did in New England. That's what Von Bell does in New Orleans. He was the third highest graded run defending safety last season. He's the first this year in the NFL. He racked up 29 run stops and 82 total tackles last year, and he's on pace right now to best both of those numbers. He doesn't have a lot of ball production, so that could give the Dolphins maybe a bit of a discount in that way, but he is my safety to go after in this year's free agency class and maybe find a safety in the draft to pair him with and be a single high guy that can give you that flexibility and range on the back end. So free agency is a long way away, but know this. This comes from a piece from Albert Breer a couple years ago, I think it was, where he kind of detailed the year-long courting process that is free agency because despite all these tampering rules and restrictions, it's still the job of the agent to find and gauge the market for their client, and it's certainly underway right now. So the Dolphins are engaged in that. In this exercise, I spent roughly 65 million bucks, which still comes in way short of the total the Dolphins have to spend this year, but it gives you an idea of how flexible and how aggressive they can be. Chris Greer was not lying when he said they can pretty much do whatever they want because they have the biggest checkbook and the biggest wallet. You still want to be smart, but you can round out a bunch of starting positions in free agency to supplement your strong draft classes over the next couple of years. It's not a guarantee to work. It's an inexact science. The only guarantee is that this team will look almost unrecognizable from the one we're watching right now. And to take that a bridge further, the roster will certainly be entirely unidentifiable from the final year of the Adam Gaze regime. And I get the sense that's just going to be fine with Dolphins fans. So check out the article, LockedOnDolphins.com. There are videos and details in there that I did not talk about on the podcast. And before we get out of here, I want to talk about something on Twitter. And in particular, let's just say it was with one website, the same website where this stuff always comes up with me. And it seems like they are intent to try to tarnish my credibility for whatever reason. One tweet I said I saw said that I was just a podcaster with no connections in the league. And... Um, that's not true. (laughs) I think those people should probably know that I have the phone number of several people in the organization from pretty much every department in the organization. And it's not just in my contact list. I talk to these guys all the damn time. So I just want to clear that air and remind you that I would never make things up for the benefit of the site or the show. I'm a Dolphins fan at heart. I seek knowledge. I seek information and I try to provide it for you guys. I've carved out a reputation and a living on hard work hard ass work. I spent six hours on that article today and another hour here on the podcast for you guys. I admit it when I'm wrong. Like with Ryan Tannehill, I was wrong. I thought he would work out in 2018. Clearly he did not. And now he's a backup. But again, if you're going to look for one evaluation to define somebody, if that's enough for you to sell someone's credibility down the road, then nobody's ever going to meet your standard because everybody gets multiple evaluations wrong. I just happen to do it on Ryan Tannehill. And so with that, 
that, let's go ahead and discuss real quick some comments I made in a thread regarding Jordan Love and Tua Tungavailoa from Tony Pauline. And I really don't know much about Tony Pauline. The first time I actually heard about him was when he reported that Miami were favorites to sign Trey Flowers back at the scouting combine. And maybe they were, maybe he was just being used as a mouthpiece for the agents. And that's why I don't like dealing with the insider game. And I keep it mostly to myself because... What good does the information do if the information winds up being not correct? I think it's a 1,000% business. That's why you have Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport, Mike Garofolo. The guys that are known in this business are almost always right, and that's why I choose to go with them. I just, I guess I don't get the point or the allure of being an insider, but with that, he made some comments about how the Dolphins might prefer Jordan Love over to Otunga Vailoa, and so when I said that he wrote that story for clicks, I meant that he did that because he's trying to generate clicks for his website because, duh, that's what all of us are doing. We're seven months away from the draft and everybody is in on this Tua idea. And so to throw something out there right now against the Dolphins fan base to kind of go against the grain, that's going to get clicks. And that's why they did it. It might be factual. He probably has that report because there's hundreds of scouts in the NFL. Every team has like 15, 20 scouts times that by 32. Of course, there's going to be guys out there that do prefer Jordan Love to Tua Tungavailoa. So I don't doubt that he heard it, but the entire basis of that story was to get clicks because he knew it would work. He knows that the PFN thing is all about Dolphins fans. It's a great business model to go after that fan base and try to pump information into that fan base. That's all I'm saying. And when it comes to the work of the scouts, they are going to prefer the balls of clay, the guys that you can mold into something terrific with the rare, rare tangible traits like the arm strength and the size, the prototypical zip on the football. They don't have to coach them. They have to find them. They want to give the coaches the best traits. And then from there, the coaches believe they can fix them. Just like Adam Gase, who was the most arrogant person that thought that he could get Luke Falk to pass for 5,000 yards. That's how they're wired. Scouts are wired to think about traits. That's why you might see reports like that. But at the same time, Dolphin Scouts are plenty aware of Tua's placement and pre-snap prowess. They are very, very in tune with how good he is there. And again, my in my insight here on this situation can confirm that Tua is the target for this Dolphins team. And there's a mandate from the top to get that done. We're going to end it right there. I'll have a mailbag podcast for you guys tomorrow. We'll go further in on some college scouting reports and have you guys covered all the way from the top to the bottom on this team every single day. And Sunday's flagship show, I'm going to run through my mock offseason part one. So do not miss that. We'll see you on the other side. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at Winkfield NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for a mailbag edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Fins up. Just a podcaster.